You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove Podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. I feel like who art ed? Who art is Mr. Wood art ed me? Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted Weekly Art History for All Ages. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Thomas Jefferson. Now, I know that may be kind of a surprising name to come up in an art history podcast, but Thomas Jefferson accomplished a lot in his lifetime. He was a lawyer, he wrote the Declaration of Independence, served as Governor of Virginia, Secretary of State, a diplomat deployed to France, third president of the United States, founder of the University of Virginia. He was an Enlightenment thinker, eager to learn all he could about a variety of topics. If he were from a different era, you'd say he was the ideal Renaissance man. The son of a wealthy plantation owner, Thomas Jefferson was sent to a boarding school at the age of nine. He studied classical literature, philosophy, history, all of that. By the time he was ready for college, he was well-versed in Greek, Latin, Italian, French, and Spanish. In 1760, he began at the College of William and Mary. His first purchase there was two architecture books. Jefferson believed that art was a powerful tool. He thought art could inspire people to seek enlightenment. Now, he was not formally trained as an architect. In fact, when Jefferson was born in 1743, the American colonies, yes, it was colonies at that time, because like I said, he was the one who wrote the declaration. The American colonies had no schools or colleges offering architecture training. Jefferson taught himself by reading books on the subject. Uh, specifically, he read James Gibbs's book of architecture and rules for drawing orders, uh, Vitruvius's 10 books of architecture, and Robert Morris's select architecture. Thomas Jefferson had strong feelings about architecture and design. 
He loathed the buildings he saw around Williamsburg, saying if they didn't have roofs, they could be mistaken for brick kilns. When he began making sketches to plan his own home, he looked to classical art and architecture for inspiration. He called his neoclassical home Monticello, which is Italian for Little Mountain. He built his home up on a hill instead of along the riverbank, which had been the trend back then. Probably a smart move building on a higher ground, especially now that the world's on fire and water levels are rising. Construction began by leveling the hilltop in 1768. In 1784, Jefferson accepted a position as the American minister to France. Then he became secretary of state under Washington. During this time in politics, he wasn't so much focused on the construction of his home, but that time in France was influential. Jefferson was a big Francophile and brought back some of the elements he saw in French classical and neoclassical design. He embraced columns and other elements from ancient Roman architecture, not only to give the appearance of a building firmly rooted in history, it was also a rejection of the trends popular in Britain at the time. Jefferson's home is designed by a man conscious of his place in history. He designed it as a monument to his ideals of a new nation that would endure through the ages. Jefferson, as I said, was an Enlightenment thinker, fond of the classics from the great Greek and Roman philosophers, and importing a bit of French style as he saw the French as kindred spirits, America's brothers in arms from the Revolution. Of course, while Jefferson was a great thinker and passionate idealist, it's important to recognize that he failed to live up to many of those ideals. The man who wrote All Men Are Created Equal and entitled to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness also owned about 600 enslaved people. He designed the building to be a physical manifestation of the democratic principles he and his new nation aspired to, but he built it using the labor of enslaved people who were denied access to what he called inalienable rights. Today, Monticello actually works to educate people about the full story of Jefferson his ideals, and shortcomings. In his first draft of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson wrote a scathing rebuke of the brutality of slavery, and yet he continued the practice through the end of his life. He only freed about 10 people. He had promised Sally Hemings, an enslaved person and his longtime mistress, that he would free her children, and he did that, though he did not free her. If you visit Monticello today, you can actually go on the Hemings family tour. They offer tours examining the grounds from different perspectives, including the perspective of those who worked the grounds. Interestingly, Sally's room was just excavated recently. In the 1940s, a men's washroom was put in a space that nobody thought had any particular significance. But around 2017, archaeologists excavated the area, revealing the original brick hearth, her 13 by 14 room, and numerous artifacts. It was an amazing find for a place that had so long been open to the public, people pretty much felt like they knew everything that was there. 
Although I guess it shouldn't be shocking that there were secrets to be revealed in Monticello. When he designed his architectural marvel, Thomas Jefferson included many hidden features. There's a secret passage from his bedroom to his study. There were multiple underground tunnels. But to wrap this up, I wanted to share a last little fun fact I discovered. It was news to me, at least, when I researched this episode. Among the quirky things in Jefferson's eclectic interests, philosophy, art, music, he actually tinkered with contraptions to make life at Monticello easier and more fun, like he made a dumbwaiter for bringing refreshments to the performing musicians. The most delightful bit that I found, though, was that Jefferson apparently had all sorts of pets. I mean, it seems like he he had his own like little petting zoo going on as he had mockingbirds, deer, and for a short period, two pet grizzly bear cubs. History is wild. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.